My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. Reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. While some people were speaking about how the temple was adorned with costly stones and votive offerings, Jesus said, All that you see here, the days will come when there will not be left a stone upon another stone that will not be thrown down. And they asked him, Teacher, when will this happen? And what sign will there be when all these things are about to happen? He answered, See that you not be deceived. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time has come. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified, for such things must happen first, but it will not immediately be the end. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be powerful earthquakes, famines and plagues from place to place, and awesome sights and mighty signs that will come from the sky. Before all this happens, however, they will seize and persecute you. They will hand you over to the synagogues and to prisons, and they will have you led before kings and governors because of my name. It will lead to your giving testimony. Remember, you are not to prepare your defense beforehand. For I myself shall give you a wisdom in speaking that all your adversaries will be powerless to resist or refute. You will even be handed over by parents, brothers, relatives, and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair of your head will be destroyed. By your perseverance, you will secure your lives. The Gospel of the Lord. What would cause you to lose your faith? Quite a question, huh? As we hear Jesus go through a litany of pretty frightening realities in this gospel passage, that could be one of the things that he's asking. He starts out by using one example that was very specific for his day and his time and his audience, saying to this group of Jewish listeners who would have viewed the magnificent temple of Jerusalem with even greater awe and wonder and reverence than we Catholics view at St. Peter's Basilica at the Vatican. Because more than just being an incredibly beautiful and sacred place, why it held such an important place in their hearts and minds and spiritually, was imagine St. Peter's Basilica being the only church in the world. That's what the temple meant to them. And now Jesus is saying to his followers, who are these faithful Jews, it's going to be utterly destroyed. It's going to be gone. When that terrible thing happens, 
he seemed to be asking them, will that be what causes you to lose your faith? Even aside from that, though, he used plenty of other examples that are understandable to any day and age. When there are wars and insurrections, nations rising against nations, kingdoms against kingdoms, Jesus is wondering, would that level of insecurity, that kind of instability in the world, be the thing that causes you to lose your faith? Or how about natural tragedies? Things like powerful earthquakes and famines, plagues, pandemics. If that's a natural thing or not, not to get into that whole debate. These inexplicable or unpredictable things, though, which take place suddenly and cause unbelievable heartache and stress and loss to people. Both the just and the unjust, the most devout of believers and those who are not believers at all. Jesus asked, when those things occur, which they will in this still broken and imperfect world of ours, will those events cause you to lose your faith? Or if somehow after all that, you still hang on and hang in, even as that physical structure that you see at the foundation of your faith, the temple disappears, and the wars and the insurrections and the lack of peace in the world reveal themselves in a real and violent way. The natural disasters, often mislabeled as acts of God, occur in the world. If after all that, you're hated, and you're persecuted, and you're maligned, or you're canceled, as we would say in our day and age, by those who are your closest in the world, your family, your friends, even to the point of death, all because you've chosen to follow and you've placed your trust and you believed in Jesus, will that be the breaking point where you lose your faith? They're far from happy thoughts. But to Jesus, they're real and they're legitimate. They're realities that every one of us has faced to one degree or another in our lives or will whether it's the scandalous stuff that's happened in the church that makes us feel like our temple has been destroyed, or the division we see among people in our nation and around the world, the horrific scenes of different natural disasters, the memories of COVID sadly still fresh in our minds, and the accelerating hostility towards anyone who professes or attempts to follow Jesus and the teachings of the church, sometimes even from people who are supposedly within the church. With all that happening, many are, are worried and fearful that these are the end times. And all those things do shake people to their core. And when we consider even the personal trials and struggles that we face and addiction a difficulty at home or work, a divorce, a health problem, a death. Those more personal attacks on us and our lives can be just as, if not, even more devastating than all those things that Jesus has laid out for us in the gospel today. And as we look around our churches at Sunday Masses, we see fewer people here than there were just a few years ago. Pulsers tells us that at least some of those have lost their faith. 
As sad as that all is, though, we're left with Jesus asking, what will cause you to lose your faith? Will anything? A couple years ago, I read the story about a woman named Mary Johnson. She's a devout Christian from Minnesota. And back in 1993, while she was at work, she received a call that is every parent's worst nightmare come true. Her son had been at a party, an argument had broken out, and her son had been killed. When Mary got news that the person they arrested for this heinous crime was a 16-year-old boy, she said, hate set in there, then and there. She reflects on it. She says, here I was this Christian woman, and I was filled with hatred. Can any of us blame her for feeling like that? Can any of us be confident we wouldn't have the same reaction? Especially as she describes just the, the roller coaster of emotions that the trial was for her. First, she's glad to learn the 16-year-old is going to be tried as an adult for first-degree murder, only to later being enraged when the judge changed the charge to second-degree murder for the killer, O'Shea Israel, whom she would just describe as an animal that she wanted caged up for the rest of his life. During the trial, Mary at one point needed to be restrained from going after O'Shea's mother. And after the trial and his being sentenced to 25 years in prison, Mary talks about how the bitterness ran deep. Anger had set in, and she said, I hated everyone. And I remained like that for years, driving many people away. It seemed... Anything good within her, not to mention her faith, was gone. As the years passed, though, at one point, she said she came upon a poem that completely changed her life. It was about an imaginary meeting between two mothers, one whose child who had been murdered and one whose child was responsible for the murder. Mary, the mother of Jesus, and the mother of Judas Iscariot. Twelve years after Mary Johnson first felt that hatred within her that had such a grip on her that she had first called O'Shea this animal and wanted him caged up, it was the first time she said she felt her Christian faith reborn and calling her to do something she had not done, something she never considered and seemed impossible for a grieving mother to do was to consider forgiving him. And so she reached out and she asked to meet him. And for nine months, he turned down the request out of fear. Fear of what she was going to say or, or do. Fear at being vulnerable in a state prison. But eventually he agreed. And she describes in vivid detail the day that she went to meet him. She even remembers the hand lotion that was given to her while she was waiting. The lotion was called Beyond Belief, which seemed incredibly appropriate to her. So the prisoner and the grieving mother met for over two hours. And Mary said she started out by saying, 
she didn't know him, and she know that, knew that he didn't know her, and she wanted to get to know him better. And Mary Joan Johnson spoke about her son. Israel spoke about his life. And as the two-hour meeting came to a close, Mary Johnson told O'Shea, I forgive you from the bottom of my heart. Shocked, O'Shea asked her, Ma'am, how can you do that? And Mary simply broke down and just started crying. She even had trouble remaining standing. And to prevent her from falling, he kind of grabbed onto her and ended up hugging Mary like she was his own mother. After O'Shea went back to his, his jail cell, Mary Johnson said she sat there shocked by the entire encounter, saying, I just hugged the man who murdered my son. That's what faith did for her. She talked about how from that day on, the anger and the hatred and the animosity and the pain just left her. And she had this new freedom. She had a new vision. Her faith in Christ had made her recognize that her son was in God's hands. And even more incredibly, now she felt this responsibility for O'Shea, who she started to see as a spiritual son. And upon his release from prison, she helped him to find housing ending up right next door to her. O'Shea describes that while he has humbly accepted her forgiveness, he's still trying to figure out how to do that for himself. How does he forgive himself for what he did? And he works with Mary on what they call the Forgiveness Project, as they go from location to location together, just sharing their story. As soon as I heard that story, I wasn't sure if I'd ever had that kind of strength or faith. Heck, I don't even want to be in a position to find out. And I don't think Jesus set things in motion so they would discover those things for themselves either. Like I've said, there's plenty of things that have occurred that have made many people lose their faith over the centuries. But what Mary Johnson and O'Shea Israel have shared in their testimony and their witness is that even when they were far from God's love, he never abandoned or forgot them. Despite the incredible, crushing grief and the rage and the anger and even the hatred they felt, Jesus was never far from them or their lives. And when Mary was finally ready and when O'Shea was ready, that whole awful situation and both of them could experience the transformation that Jesus wanted to bring. They realized that the core of their faith, that they were children of God, that had never changed. Grieving mother, prisoner, that was not their identities. God's beloved daughter and son, that was their true identity. An identity that they eventually recognized in each other. The gospel passage we proclaimed ended with those words, By your perseverance you will secure your life. But what Mary and O'Shea testify is to how Jesus perseveres in his faith in each and every one of us here and now. So Jesus isn't sharing this challenging, difficult gospel to frighten us. He's telling us he knows how hard 
He knows how unfair, he knows how unjust the world can be, how cruel people can be to each other. But Jesus is fair. Jesus is just. Jesus loves us. He loved us into existence and he never stops to the point that he's worried about every hair on our head. His unwavering faith in his father enabled him to carry and to be nailed to a cross. And that faith was was justified and affirmed as Jesus emerges from a tomb three days later after that death, risen to never die again. That faith continues to bring healing and restoration and new life in all who continue to follow Jesus and to call out to him. So thanks be to God, we are here today. Despite whatever it is we're dealing with, whatever may cause us to doubt or fear, cause us to waver, even if we're here with heavy and distracted hearts, Jesus rejoices in that perseverance, encouraging us to never give up, ever, because he will never lose faith in us.